Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to invite you to a workshop that I am hosting the first week of June. This workshop is going to focus entirely on digital marketing. And the goal of this workshop is to help you bust through the confusion and overwhelm so that you can conquer digital marketing and grow your flower business. I am going to share with you in this workshop my step-by-step framework for leveraging digital marketing as a florist, and you will walk away with a personalized blueprint, clear action plan so that you know exactly where to focus your time, effort, and energy. And we're going to dive into understanding the most efficient and effective advertising platforms for you to market your business, how to leverage social media, and exactly where to prioritize your spending so that you can get your business in front of your dream customers. This workshop is being hosted online. Yes, if you can't join me live, there will be a video replay so that you can play catch up in your own time. I will leave the link to sign up to this workshop in the show notes so that you can grab your spot today. And then you get to join me on Zoom and we get to workshop your digital marketing plan and you get to make the most of the rest of 2024. So I would love to see you there. And I am so incredibly excited to host this workshop, share my process with you and make sure that you are crystal clear on exactly what to do to get found by those dream customers. So visit the link in the show notes, grab your spot today, and I will see you at the workshop. You're listening to The Thrive Podcast with your host, Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. Listen in as Kathleen shares all the things about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. She'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to help grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. Let's talk about saving our sanity. Because there's so many memes that fly around the interwebs about how floral designers are crazy. (laughs) Which is true. We are. But I wanted to take this week's podcast and talk you through three very functional processes that you can put in place to save your own sanity. Seriously, your future self is going to love you so much for doing the three things that I recommend at the end of this week's podcast episode. And I thought it would be really fun to just talk a little bit about what sanity is and how we can do ourselves a favor. Because us being able to do our jobs without exerting every single ounce of energy that we have is very helpful. And for those of you who are trying to figure out how to scale your business, how to make more money, how to grow your team, how to get more orders in the door, how to be more productive, the way that you're going to save your own sanity is actually by creating systems. Now, I know, I already can, I can feel you jumping to open the drawer to get the skewer so that you can poke yourself in the eye. I totally get it, right? I totally get that when you talk to people like you and I about process and systems, 
we really, really, really just would rather run the other direction and be like, nah, nope. I don't want to talk processes. I don't want to talk systems. That shit is boring AF. However, I'm here to just shed a little bit of light to open your mind to the possibilities and to tell you that your systems are what is going to save your sanity. I'm also going to tell you that your systems help you make more money. So either one of those two is good, right? Both work. Both reasons are amazing. You can put systems in place so that you can save your sanity, conserve some energy. You can also put systems in place so that you can make more money. That Both of those, good. I will take both, please. Yes. Now, when we bought our flower shop, we had one email. <laughs> one email. Like I literally, I had new idea, new idea what to even ask the previous owner of our business. I had no idea what to even ask and nothing was documented. Literally nothing, right? I've, this is one of my favorite stories. We were then at one point asking our staff, right? Because we inherited some beautiful human beings for the only reason that we actually got through the first year of our business. Literally, the staff is like phenomenal. But we went and actually asked each one of them what they did in the till. Now, when we bought the shop, it had one of those like old school, like push button tills, but I don't, it never like tracked actual how much sales. It never did anything really actually helpful. It was like people would just put numbers in just and then press a button to get the cash drawer to open. And this is what's so fun. We asked every single one of our staff members what their process was around what they enter into the till and what the point of the till is. All three staff members had three different approaches. <laughs> Look, this is amazing. Like it was so funny. It was so funny because nobody knew what they were doing and why they did it. Like talk about hilarious. And I feel like that one little anecdote exemplifies so many of our businesses right? It's like on the verge of a total hot mess. Nothing's organized. We walk around and we kind of wish that things would be clean and organized and well-labeled, but we haven't even even thought for ourselves about what our own systems are. And one of the differences between a very well-run business and those of us who run inefficient businesses are the systems that are put in place. And I swear, I always thought that as a designer, as a creative, that I wanted freedom, right? I really thought that it would be so helpful to my creativity if I had an abundance of time, a huge amount of selection in terms of ingredients, and like just the ultimate freedom. It turns out I was totally wrong. As a creative, as a human being, constraints are so powerful. In actual fact, the more constraints you can put on a situation, the more creative you're going to be. So if you can have constraints and systems, you're actually going to be helping out yourself. As human beings, too much choice leads to overwhelm. Overwhelm always leads to no action. So when we're standing in front of the wall of flowers or we're looking at the wholesaler or you're trying to figure out where to start in terms of putting the bridal bouquet together, 
Too much choice leads to overwhelm, leads to inaction. Literally, this is what happens. Dr. Zeus talks about constraints being a secret weapon for creatives. It's so true. And actually recognizing that putting constraints on yourself is actually going to be one of the most helpful things that you can do when you are working in your business. There are three reasons that constraints help you do your job better. And that constraints will actually help you create a better outcome. Reason number one, a constraint provides a very clear direction. The outcome becomes obvious, right? Like what you're trying to achieve, what you're trying to accomplish becomes so crystal clear. The second reason, constraints decrease your chances of becoming distracted, right? Because now you've all of a sudden got a focus, you've got an end goal, the chances of you getting distracted decrease. And then reason number three, because you have focused on the end goal, you've decreased your distractions, you now become more creative. The more focused you are in your work, the more creative you will be. The more constraints you put on yourself, the more creative you will be. Like, I always think about that scene in Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks, where they're stuck up in space and nobody knows what's going to happen. And they have to assign all the engineers back down on Earth. And they literally dump onto the table. These are the elements that they have up in the limb. This is how they need to be able to bring these dudes home. They had like coffee filters, socks, duct tape, right? They were literally trying to figure out how do we create something that can take what was it, like round peg, square hole? They had to figure out some sort of way to transition between the two. And they literally dumped on the table, these are the materials that you have to work with. Talk about being able to channel your creative genius, right? The same thing happens to us as normal humans when we look in the fridge and there's not much to choose from. You get your brain to task by saying, okay, brain, We need to look in the fridge, we need to look in the freezer, we need to look in the cupboard and decide that we need to create something edible. And all of a sudden, you realize as you're making dinner, you're like, oh my gosh, this might be the the single best thing I have ever made. Versus when you and I walk through the grocery store and we're hungry, right? Most of the time our brain's going to just be drawn to like the chips and the cookies and the chocolate bars and the Coke and all the junk food. Right, But if we're actually conscious and we're walking through the grocery store and trying to figure out what's for dinner, it is like too hard. Talk about being overwhelmed by choice because you actually have an infinite number of possibilities available to you. It's so quick for our brain to jump into overwhelm when we are not focused. And that's precisely what constraints do. So exactly the same principles apply to our design process. Too much choice at the wholesaler overwhelm. Too much choice at the flower market? Overwhelm. Too long of a list from the growers? Overwhelm. And then for those of you who have ever experienced that like ultimate joy of possibly it's like the very last hour of trading at Mother's Day and you're like, okay, I know I've got enough scraps here to create a $150 bouquet. We're going to pull out that succulent. We're going to create something with these roses, that little bit of foliage over here, a few stems of alstroemeria, and somehow 
you create something that you now have realized is like, wow, I love this bouquet more than anything else I've created this entire Mother's Day weekend. It is so amazing what constraint does to our creativity. And that constraint might come through specific guidelines around design. It might come to specific budgets. It might come from the amount of time that you have when you're designing something. And anyone who has ever worked with me knows what a huge proponent of limiting our time is in terms of our own doing of the work. There is a concept that floats around the world called Parkinson's Law. And it's named after some dude named something something Parkinson, and he wrote an article for The Economist probably back in the 50s or 60s. And the story goes that the concept revolves around the fact that the work expands to fill the time allotted. Put very simply, the amount of time it takes us to do something exactly fits into the amount of time that we allocate to do the job. If you have 15 minutes to design a table arrangement, you will get a table arrangement done in 15 minutes. If you give yourself an infinite amount of time, maybe even like two hours to design the table arrangement, you will take two hours to design the table arrangement. Those of you who have ever done a wedding setup or an event setup and you all of a sudden realize that time has flown by and you haven't kept track of time and you're like, oh my gosh, all the guests are now arriving. I have like four minutes to get my shit together. You know how well you can actually perform under that kind of time pressure. Now, I don't suggest that you give yourself the least amount of time possible, but I do suggest that actually pushing yourself in terms of time can be really helpful because then your brain is not going to stand there and overthink it. So one of the very practical tips that I use for all of our wedding setups is I take a good old-fashioned timer. I do carry a kitchen timer in my bag, but the other thing always is you have your phone. I set my timer for 27 minutes. Whenever we're doing a large-scale installation, I know that we'll have three or four blocks of 27 minutes. So we'll design balls to the wall for 27 minutes. We'll pause, have a quick little cleanup, recalibrate, make sure we're moving in the right direction, get down off the ladder, sweep up, and then we'll push again for another 27 minutes. As opposed to just fluffing around for an hour and then throwing some shit together as close to the timeline as possible. I like to put that additional pressure on myself so that there is a consistent amount of time pressure through the entire design or the entire installation. I know it's a little bit weird, but I find it so helpful. And I used to have this kitchen timer that used to have like a 10 minute warning. It was amazing because the alarm goes off at the 10 minute warning and you like kick into high gear because then the alarm actually goes off anyway. Somebody will probably tell me that there's an app out there that can do the same thing. Amazing. But here's the thing. Constraints are your best friend. So when you find yourself frozen or confused or overwhelmed, I will ask you to get yourself to see if you can paint a tighter box around the task. Can you give yourself less time, less choice, and get crystal clear 
on the outcome. And the fact that constraints are so helpful for us as creatives are the reason why your systems are going to save your sanity. In the big corporate world, they'll talk about a concept called standard operating procedures, right? A standard operating procedure is like a blueprint. It's like the exact operations manual. It's the how-to guide that outlines how anything happens in your business. In most cases, it's super simple language, right? Super easy to understand, showing step-by-step directions, It kind of outlines if this, then that, right? If you receive a customer complaint, this is what's going to happen. If you receive an online order, this is what's going to happen. If you receive a wedding inquiry, this is what's going to happen. If you're trying to figure out how to design or what the go-to recipe is for a funeral casket spray or a casket cover, this is what needs to happen, right? If this, then that. And when it comes to writing your business's standard operating procedures, it is going to be so helpful the minute you decide to expand your team beyond yourself. Because your standard operating procedures show you what jobs can be hired out for, and then it shows your staff exactly what needs to happen. It creates so much consistency in your work that everyone, literally every single one who's working on your team is now working off the same page. Everybody understands the goal. Everybody understands your expectations. Everybody understands how we get to make this happen. Your standard operating procedures in your business are a bit like an insurance policy. So that when something happens to you, if you get sick, if your daughter gets sick, if something happens to your parents, if you can't make it in, if your car breaks down, then literally anyone on your team can pick up your standard operating procedure and know what to do. And as a massive added bonus, you as the business owner having written down your standard operating procedures for your business adds a tremendous amount of financial value to your business. So that when the day comes that you decide to actually sell your business, you get to charge it at a premium because everything is written down. And when it comes to selling your business, being able to have somebody else just walk in off the street and be able to replicate your systems, your procedures, your design aesthetic, all of it adds to the sale price of your business. Even if you work on your own, the fact that you can sit down and actually write out what your standard operating procedure is for anything in your business is going to save you so much energy. So much energy because you can stop thinking about, oh yeah, what am I supposed to do next? Oh yeah, what about this? And then, oh yeah, what about that? All of that cognitive load, all of that thinking can actually then just be transformed to your design work and the output of what you're creating becomes so much better. And for those of you who have asked me, hey, Kathleen, what are your tips around hiring staff? The very first thing I tell everyone is write that shit down. Write down the systems and the processes in your business, right? What you want to envision and where you want to get to over time is that your business operates like a McDonald's franchise, So that somebody can walk in off the street, pull the manual off the shelf and know exactly how you make a bridal bouquet. 
They know exactly how to pack the van when it comes to doing deliveries. They know what the routine is and when orders need to be sorted out for Valentine's Day. They know how to run a workshop. Whatever services you offer in your business, write down your standard operating procedure associated with it. Right? And I wanted to today give you my three go to systems, the three standard operating procedures, so that you can obviously build on them. But just know that these are the three that really made a difference in our business. So, the three systems to pay attention to the first one is your process around processing your product. The second one is your process around navigating new inquiries or receiving orders. And the third one is your process or your go-to recipes for your most replicated designs. Now let's go through each one in detail because you're probably going to be like, what the crap is she even talking about? So number one, your process around processing product. This is so fun to think. If you asked five different designers how they process one particular ingredient, you're probably going to get at least four, but probably five different responses. So don't be walking around thinking that there's only one right way to navigate processing this kind of ingredient. The way I learned to process our ingredients was purely based on the history of how the shop processed ingredients. I already know that there's a whole bunch of people out there that are like, oh my God, I don't do that at all. Like, great, perfect. You run your business, I'm going to run mine. So what happens in your business and how do you process product? What happens when you receive things in from the market, from the grower, from the farmer, like wherever you're getting things, from the wholesaler? You're going to have your own tried and tested processes for processing your product. And remember this, your mom, your husband, your sister, your staff, your freelancers cannot read your mind. And this is going to disappoint you, but they probably aren't as practiced as you are at processing anemones or peonies or lilies. And you know what? It's also okay if they don't remember exactly how to do everything. But you know what's going to save your sanity? If you write this shit down so that they don't have to remember every single day of the year exactly how much water you want put in the anemone bucket or exactly how much water you want to put in the ranunculus bucket or do you remove the lily stamens don't you remove the lily stamens how much of the foliage do you take off the roses all of it what are your expectations and write that shit down because you know what your staff is never going to be paying as much attention as you are and that's okay because you're the owner of the business right they're beautiful humans They are amazing to be around. They have phenomenal customer service and really great taste in music. And they're good designers. Hey, can't ask for much more than that. So when you're thinking about what your process is around processing product, what gets scalded? What gets bashed? What gets trimmed? What gets put in cold water? What gets put in warm water? What goes into a little bit of water? What goes into the cool room? What doesn't? What get bunched together? What has to be separate from one another? What gets processed in a totally weird and wonderful way that nobody else has ever discovered? Your process around processing product is the first list I would make. I was astounded the day that we started actually documenting all of our processes. And one of the first things that we did was that we just made one simple sheet of paper. We listed out every product that we could think of 
I did this with the girls. We were in the shop one afternoon. I said, okay, guys, let's go. Just bang out different products. Let's put them all into different categories. We then printed out that list and taped it to the side of the cool room. So then, hey, you know what? Also recognizing some of our staff didn't know that we did this or that we did that or does this get scalded? Doesn't this get scalded? We're constantly testing new ideas too because somebody would come in and be like, oh, I saw that this person did this over here. We're like, oh, let's try that out. Constant state of experimentation. But we took our list of the different ingredients that we had and taped it on the side of the cool room so that if we ever had a work experience student, if we had a new person start, we always get the new people to start on market on pack days, more hands, less work, great strategy. But then you can put that list on the side of the cool room and it's like, oh my gosh, they don't need to ask you. You don't need to tell them. And you know what? They're also going to learn the names of the flowers faster because the questions that they start asking you are, what is this called? Because then they can look it up on the list. It's a very great teaching technique. But System number one I want you to document is your process around processing product. What is it? What is your process in your business for processing product? That way, if your staff aren't doing it right, you have every right to yell at them. <laughs> Can't you read? Kidding. Please don't yell at your staff. They're beautiful humans. But you get the point, right? Just make it easy for yourself, make it easy for your family, make it easy for your staff to be able to understand what the heck is floating around in your head. Because no doubt, you're probably the one who knows the most. You know, it's great sharing that cognitive burden with other humans so that you can all do this work together. System number two, what is your business's process around navigating new wedding and event inquiries or taking orders from your customers? I didn't realize how helpful it is to actually have a very well-documented inquiry process and a very well-documented guide to taking client orders. So literally, if you document this, then you can actually write yourself exactly the script that you want to follow and you want your staff to follow when the phone rings. You can also write the script for if somebody's walking into the shop. You could also write all of the template emails involved in navigating wedding inquiries or event inquiries, any of this stuff where we can do a lot of copy and paste. If this, then that. And you can just start to document the stuff and then you can pass it on to your team. And as things evolve, as you remember to kind of plug in the holes and the things that you forgot, you just go back to the Google Doc and you fill in the information. So process number two is what is your process around inquiries? What is your exact email around turning people away? What is your exact email in terms of what needs to happen next in the inquiry process? What is that script when the phone rings? What do you do if people DM you on Instagram and want to order flowers? This is the beginning of where you begin to really shift your business into understanding how much your processes are going to actually save your sanity. Because you'll know you only have to figure this shit out once and then you just go back to your operating standards and be like, oh yeah, no, we're just going to copy this, right? What is your process around navigating complaints? Because they're going to happen, my friends. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So the third system I'm going to talk you through is your system around creating recipes in your business. Now, 
When I first started as a floral designer, I had never, ever, ever, ever heard the concept of a recipe. It's not anything that anybody ever taught me, nor is it something that we necessarily see much of. I never understood that you could actually create our own signature design style and start to look at the kinds of ingredients we use and then make it very easy and replicable for anybody who's working with us. Only when I started doing three, four, five weddings on a weekend and started to having to plan like an entire spring wedding season, did I actually start to look at, huh, there is a little bit of a formula in terms of how I can put these together so that you can have a very clear design aesthetic, a very clear approach to focal flowers, filler flowers, what your color palette is, all that stuff. Then you get to teach your designers how to do the same thing and all of a sudden your capacity is like quadrupled. So what does your $60 shop bouquet look like, right? What are the standards that go into it? What is your formula for a beautiful archway? What are your go-to ingredients? How many focal flowers do you have? How many filler textures do you use? Do you even use foliage, right? Create yourself your formula. You get to decide. And then you get to document your approach and that's going to help you so much in navigating how much product to buy. Is this going to adhere with my design standards? Are you getting a freelancer to come in and help you with something so that you know you can have control over what these recipes are? Like there's actually so much consideration that goes into us creating our systems and our formulas I thought when I was early on in this business that it was all done just like willy-nilly. Willy-nilly. Turns out, that's not true. That actually having a recipe, knowing, okay, if I'm charging $320 for a bridal bouquet and I want to have somewhere between five and seven ingredients, this is the color palette that we're going for, I'm going to have at least two focals. going to have the rest of it's probably going to be either secondary blooms or filler texture. That's the way I roll, right? And yeah, if you know me, you're probably like, yeah, well, there'll be carnations in there. There'll be something scented in there. There'll be some interesting textures in there. There might be something that's dried in there and guaranteed there's going to be some roses. And if it's dahlia season, then there'll be some dahlias. Peonies, eh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Only if I like the look of them and they're not too big, but that's me right? And I just learned how to create my own formula. And then I would create recipes from that. And then I trained my staff to do the same thing, right? So that my designers could look at it and be like, okay, right. So that's the color palette. We know that this is the formula that we want to follow. This is, we're going to plunk things in. And here's the thing. I've never used a fancy piece of stem counting software in my life. Never, ever. And that comes from two very different and fundamental ways that we run our business. We operate on this concept called a set menu so that we know exactly what the prices are that we're going to quote our clients, kind of regardless of what they ask us. We're not doing any sort of custom quoting. We're not doing anything that's bespoke. It's all based on my design standards. The second thing is I am very clear on what my design aesthetic is. I will tell you that's taken about five years to figure out, but it's also constantly evolving so that I now know I can look at 
a design that I want to be creating and understand how I get to deconstruct it and create it in whatever season, in whatever color palette I like. So knowing that you get to create your own recipes, you get to create your own design aesthetic, and you can create your own formula is so freeing in your business. Because I vividly remember standing there and doing wedding work where I would have like buckets and buckets of stuff. I hadn't created any sort of recipe in terms of dividing the ingredients across all the different design items. I just bought to a budget. Oh my God, it gives me heart palpitations just to think about it. Oh, it stresses me out, right? Versus where we came within like a five-year window and being like, it was so buttoned down that I reckon if one of us got hit by a bus that somebody else could come in and kind of pick it up where we left off. I'm not going to say it was perfect, but it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I'm pretty proud of where we got our business to in such a short window. So if you've never experimented with the idea of creating a recipe, it's actually quite simple. If you hate spreadsheets it's fine, right? Some of the girls I used to work with just do it by pen and paper, right? There's a little bit more manual work involved, but it's amazing. Pen and paper is perfect. If you like spreadsheets, not that hard to set up. If you're addicted to your stem counting software, amazing. But go in and create some of your go-to recipes. You're going to be so excited the next time that you're asked to create an archway that you already have a previous recipe for an archway. Genius. So simple, but so genius. So what you'll begin to notice over time is that the more you start to document your standard operating procedures, right, and you can have everything, what we've talked about today, so your process around processing product, your process around inquiries or orders, your go-to recipes, what is your exact philosophy or go-to approach in terms of production management, how does the van get packed, what are we posting to Instagram, how do we update the website, what are the orders that go in for Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas, what does staffing look like, how do we pay our staff, all of this stuff, right? We think of some of those big epic multinational companies and just how many operating procedures they have. I'm not asking you to write down all thousand of them in your business, but just start at the beginning. Start with your shop open, shop close policy. What are your expectations? Where does shit go? What day do your plants get watered on? That was another one. It took me like forever to figure out that you could actually just assign a day of the week. (laughs) And that that's the day of the week that everybody would know that the plants need to be watered. Sounds so simple now, but talk about really not knowing anything. Anywho, we're all here so that you don't have to experience all of this stuff. But... Once you start to document even some of your most basic procedures, you're going to feel a massive sense of physical relief in your body because you don't have to constantly rely on your memory to keep reminding yourself exactly how something is done. What's even better than that is your staff, your team, your mom, your husband is going to love it because they won't have to be the ones who are asking you 8,000 billion questions. They know that they can just pick up this handy little handbook or they could look at this Google Doc and it's going to be in there if they don't remember something. So you're actually doing yourself a massive favor and you're doing your staff an epic favor. Writing down your processes and your systems is literally job number one when it comes to expanding your team. No systems, you got no chance to make it easy for your staff to succeed. And then you'll be walking around mad all the time. I could have saved myself so many headaches if I'd really understood the power of having documented systems and procedures. 
But again, right, they cannot read your mind, nor should we expect them to be able to read your mind. I don't care if you've told them once this is exactly how to do it. Average human is going to have to be told probably like eight times. So if you write it down, then they can read it for themselves. The last thing to remember about why doing the work around your systems and procedures is helpful is that it actually adds financial value to your business. Now, we all know how much I love talking about money. So you could actually sit down today and start adding more value to your business so that when you go to sell it, you can sell it at an even bigger price. How fun is that to think about? Like you can sell your business at a premium when things are documented. Huh. So you're doing your now self a favor by writing these things down. You're doing a staff favor by writing these things down. You're doing your future self a favor by writing these things down. Seems like three pretty good reasons, my peoples. Now, I also know you're going to want to stand there and poke your own eyes out. So don't feel like you need to sit down and spend the next seven days straight documenting your processes. Literally just do it one five-minute burst at a time. Open a random Google Doc, name it Standard Operating Procedures for, insert the name of your business, and just start with the procedure that jumps to mind first. It doesn't need to be perfect because once you start to document it, then you can always come back to it and add to it. And if you're thinking about how do I document my wedding inquiry process, well, go back to the last inquiry that you received, go into your sent folder and copy the last email that you sent. That becomes the beginning of your process. This doesn't all need to be done in one sit down, poke your eyes out now situation. Take my trick, set the timer for 27 minutes. That's as much as you're going to do. Then you're going to get up and next Monday, you're going to set the timer for another 27 minutes. Kapow, right? But this is what we're doing when we're building a business, right? We're literally creating something out of nothing. We're using our brain. We're using our creativity to actually add value to the world. And the more that we can document how things are done in our business, then the more we can command when we go to sell our business. And even if that concept hadn't crossed your mind in the past about selling your business, even if this is your first day flowering, I want you to start thinking about now the fact that you are creating something that has value attached to it and you can sell it in the future. If you've been in business for like five years and the thought never crossed your mind, I also want you to think about the fact that you own a business that has tremendous value, that if you document the systems in it, that you can then charge a premium when you go to sell it. When it comes to thinking about our sanity and managing our sanity, we do have to very intentionally invest time and energy in documenting and building our systems, but it's going to be one of the biggest things that actually helps you save your sanity. And when you want to grow your team, you have to start documenting your systems. Otherwise you're going to drive yourself crazier than you've ever been. You're going to love yourself so much for doing this work and just take it one system at a time. And I will remind you that if you want my help, if you want my brain and my eyeballs on your business, if you want guidance on what really matters when it actually comes to making a fuck ton of money as a floral designer, then I will invite you to join my Flower Boss Bootcamp. Because making money as a floral designer is not about you having a certain design aesthetic. 
It's not about you having thousands of followers on Instagram, and it's definitely not about your qualifications and your expertise. Instead, you showing up as a very powerful CEO in your business is all about you defining your version of success and inviting you to set your sights higher and then really understanding who you need to become on your way to building your flower empire. And at the end of the day, if you want your business to grow, then you need to grow. If you want your business to grow, then you really need to come to terms with the fact that your systems and your processes are your business. Literally. It's as simple as that. And when you're the CEO of a flower business, knowing that you are the thing that needs to grow along the growth of your business, that is where the actual work lies. And you need to learn that you can show up with confidence no matter what the circumstances. And of course, the biggest challenge that nobody teaches you, not a single human on this planet learned at any point in time that we are human beings and we have a human brain and our human brain is programmed in such a way that at many a time when you're the business owner and you're stepping into the unknown, your brain is going to fucking freak out. We are human beings We have a human brain and we're never, ever, ever taught how it works. But this is where the challenge lies for entrepreneurs because we are confronted with a human brain who wants to present to us near death, like certain death, that crazy saber tooth tiger. It's going to come meandering down your neighborhood. (laughs) It's going to come walking up the driveway. It's going to open the roller door in your garage and it's going to eat you. That is actually what your human brain thinks is going to happen. And I want you to know that you are not alone. There is nothing wrong with you in the fact that your brain is convinced that building a flower business is equal to dying. Because all of the time when we are a CEO, we are putting ourselves very intentionally in harm's way. We are doing things we've never, ever, ever, ever done before. And your human brain, the primitive part of your human brain is going to flip out every time, every time you're going to post to Instagram and do something new. Every time you want to level up your branding, every time you want to set a bigger financial goal, your brain's going to flip out. Because it would really, 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 really like you to sit on the sofa, watch Netflix, and eat bonbons. That's what the human brain is programmed to do. But there is a part of your brain that knows that you were made to do this. It knows that you can build a hugely successful flower business. So if you want to work with me, then sign up for my Flower Boss Bootcamp. Trust me when I tell you it is 100% worth the investment of your time and your money. And what you get when you sign up for my Flower Boss Bootcamp is access to all of my online courses. So you can learn everything from pricing to sales to marketing to branding, goal setting, sales, all of the things that you know we need to know as business owners. I'll show you exactly how to show up on Instagram. We'll literally show you how to set up your website. Not even kidding. So literally, exact like exactly how to do it. Please take this website and copy it. (laughs) I'm not even like remotely kidding. 
You'll get access to our private community, which is unbelievable. These business owners are blowing my mind. And they're so incredibly supportive of one another that the minute that somebody feels like they can jump in and be like, guys, I'm totally overwhelmed, totally riddled with self-doubt, what do I do? It's like 40 amazing humans just come in and say, we got you, dude, we got you. You always have the opportunity to ask questions day and night. Hey, a client just asked this. Hey, somebody just asked me this. Hey, I just got a customer complaint. Hey, oh my God, somebody just spent $300 on my website. Whoa. So if you want my brain and my eyes on your business, sign up for my Flower Boss Bootcamp. Link is in the show notes. I cannot wait to see what the rest of 2021 brings. And do your future self a favor. Add yourself some value to your own business. Take some of the cognitive load off that big fat brain of yours and start documenting your systems. You are going to be so grateful that you did. And my friends, I hope you have a beautiful week and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now.